Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. If there's one thing the devil does not want the church to know is the power that is resident in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The baptism in the Holy Ghost is the gateway to power with God. So help me today getting this, spreading this message as much as we can so that more people can leave empowered. God's not waiting till next week or three years from now to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. God wants to do it now. God wanted to do it the moment you got saved. And we're going to get into that. But uh, th- there's no better time than to get filled with the Holy Ghost today. When I did my broadcast with um, the broadcast with Isaiah Salivar on Tuesday night, spur of the moment, got called at 8.30, you're ready, it, it, you know, uh, my guests had some things happen, if you can come on, that'd be great. Showed up with uh, 30 minutes, you know, to prepare, 30 minutes to get, to, 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 to get everything started, and uh, when we started preaching, we got into the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and we had people baptized in the Spirit right on the spot. They were saying, my, 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 um, my mouth is like shaking and then they began to speak and then people began, began to speak in, in, in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God wants to do that today for you. And you, you might be a believer that was baptized. I got baptized in 1976. I'm fine. There's always another level with God. There's always another step with God. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all together in one accord and there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing of a mighty windstorm and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost as the Spirit gave them utterance. But then Acts chapter 4 comes along, they get put in prison, they get beaten, they get released, and Peter and John go back to meet with the church, and they begin to pray again, again, and the Holy Ghost, the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word with all confidence. You're never at the, the top with God, you're never, you've never had enough of God, you can have as much of God as you desire, as you hunger and thirst for, and the scripture says, the good news is, is that blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled, God said, I have not just told you to ask of me for the baptism in the Holy Ghost, without having a desire to fill you with the baptism in the Holy Ghost, he said, you, you parents know how to give good gifts to your children, Luke 11 how much more shall the father give the holy spirit to those that ask so today's your day if you've never been baptized in the holy spirit today's your day you will receive power from heaven to become an effective witness for the gospel of the kingdom here on this earth so before we get into it please share this broadcast help me out if you like it on youtube and you comment as much as you want uh, as much as you can you're gonna help me defeat the youtube and facebook algorithms so more people can hear it the more you comment it might just be an amen it might just be praise hands emojis whatever it is when you do that you're helping us defeat the algorithms and youtube loves that so the reason we tell you to do this so that your like, I heard Isaiah say it on Tuesday, your like or your comment can actually mean somebody hearing the gospel who's never heard it. Your like or your comment can actually mean somebody getting a baptism in the Holy Ghost who might come from a denomination that doesn't even talk about these things. So help us out. Uh, and I thank you in advance for doing it. Mark chapter 9. Before we move on, I want to read this story. Mark 9 and verse 14. 
So the background to this text is Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the mountain of transfiguration. Although it was not called the Mount of Transfiguration before this happened, but it was a mountain that they climbed on, spent days. Obviously, they weren't eating. They weren't drink. Uh, they might have been drinking, but they they weren't eating anything. They were on a fast. And the Bible says, as Jesus prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. And uh, Moses and Elijah came and spoke with him. And uh, Peter starts, you know, opening his mouth when he shouldn't have, like he always did. And Jesus ends up taking Peter and John on this, like, spiritual journey. And then after that's done, they walk down. They have this great mountaintop experience with God. They have this amazing experience, an encounter with a glory cloud that formed and shaped over them, that put fear in their hearts so that they couldn't even look up. And what happens after that? They had a great encounter with God. Verse 14, when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. See, when you don't carry the power of God, all you can do is argue. But a man with an argument is not at the mercy of a man with an experience. A man with an argument is not at the mercy of someone who has an experience. And that's what I'm praying for you today. That you'll not just have an argument. I don't want to just show you the doctrinal stance that we have from the word of God as to why God wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. I don't want to just prove the validity of the baptism in the Holy Ghost as found in scriptures. I want people to leave this broadcast speaking in tongues, carrying a fresh fire that they can take to their workplace, that you can take to your church, that you can take to your school, that you can take to your family, so that you, like Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me. The anointing is not just to give you some goosebumps and some, you know, the hair on the back of your neck to stand up. The anointing has, serves a purpose. We're not contending for fire just to have a good service. We're contending for the fire of the Holy Ghost for Christian service so that we can carry that anointing that Jesus said breaks every yoke of captivity that Jesus said in Luke 4.18 quoting Isaiah to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the anointing is going to give you utterance. I don't know what to say. I don't know how how to speak i don't know how to talk about the gospel i don't know how to talk about jesus the anointing the spirit of god is precisely why you, that's precisely why you need the anointing it will give you utterance at the opening of your mouth so that you'll have the words to say you'll know what to say and you'll know how to say it and uh, it goes on to say to heal the brokenhearted. You have people that come to you and they say, man, I'm having a rough week. Man, I, I, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. You don't have to just say, well, brother, I'll keep you in prayer. You can carry real dynamic power with God to set the captive free, to heal the brokenhearted. More than ever in our generation, do we have more brokenhearted people than any other generation preceding it? We have people that are on anti-depressant medication, anti-anxiety medication. They're suffering broken hearts. They had a tragedy that happened to them 14 years ago, and they're still carrying the load of that tragedy because only the anointing can lift up the heavy burden. Only the anointing 
can take people's mourning and turn it into shouts of joy. Only the anointing can take people's sorrow and fill them with peace. Only the anointing can take people out of death into life. Only the anointing can break the yoke of sickness. The Bible says it gives us power to proclaim release to the captives. Captivity comes in every shape and and form. People are captive to drugs. People are captive to alcohol. People are held captive to demonic oppression and possession. People are held captive to a broken heart. People are held captive to sickness and disease. People are held captive to the cords of sin. And it's not your cute speech, your TED talk that's going to help them. It's not your motivational saying or your cliche saying that you rely on that's going to help them. It's only the power of the Holy Ghost and fire that can burn off the cords that sin would put on people. That's what you see in Samson's life. Samson was taken captive by Philistines. He, he turned himself in. But the Bible says when they fastened on him, new cords, they were fresh cords. They weren't old, broken down, worn out cords. They were fresh new cords. When they put it on him, and he was bound up. The Bible says he cried out to God. And the Lord, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord fell up, came upon him. Came on him, rested on him. And the cords that held him down were burnt off of him as Uh, as like fire as if fire had burnt them off that's what the anointing does it burns the cords that the devil would latch on the people of our generation and i don't know about you i'm not interested in some new form progressive christianity i'm not interested in this you know this like um uh christianity that's directed only at like mental and motivational speaking and all that just to like give people mental peace just to get people through the storm christian the bible doesn't teach christianity as such the bible teaches power with god not to get people through the storm but to rise up speak to the storm and have the storm subside and end that very day that's the power you're gonna carry from this broadcast in the name of jesus christ the devil will rue the day that he could have kept you from popping on this broadcast but he couldn't and the same day that couldn't keep you from popping onto this broadcast to hear these words is the same devil that's not going to keep you from receiving power from heaven to go out and do and be like Jesus, talk like Jesus and do what Jesus has called you to do. If you believe that for yourself, why don't you just put fire emojis, hands up emojis, amen, hallelujah, and give God praise ahead of time for what he's about to do. When he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw Jesus, all the people were greatly amazed and they ran to him, greeting him. Notice how they weren't scared. You know, the uh, people that say, well, if we, if we move on into this baptism and the Holy, Holy Spirit stuff, if we move on to talking about miracles and signs and wonders, we're going to scare people away. People aren't going to want to come anymore. Who knows who will offend? Do you notice how Jesus, the way he preached, he, the Bible says he went teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all sickness and all disease that were amongst the people. What did it do for him? Did it cause him to have a very unpopular ministry? Do you know how many times I've heard that? People with small churches, which if you have a small church and you just started out, There's no problem with that. Despise not the day of small beginnings. But if you're still small, 15 years from then, 10 uh, 10 years, 20 years, then there's a problem. Everything God builds 
is to increase. Everything God has his hand on is programmed for increase and multiplication. So it's no problem starting small. Jesus started small. He had a couple of disciples. Started with two, started with four, then six, then eight, then 10, then 12, then 70, then over 500. But the Bible says here that people weren't scared of his ministry. People weren't running off when they saw him coming. People weren't like, oh, here's that religious zealot. No, they were magnetically drawn to his ministry. This generation has a need, a desire for the real substance, the real thing. This generation, in particular, more than ever, has a hunger to experience and encounter power. And the church, in large, many churches, have deprived this generation in del not delivering the goods of what Christ has told us to do. And deliver to our generation. You know, freely we receive, freely give. Do you know how many pastors there are that say, well, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they speak in tongues in their private prayer closet, but they'll never preach on it publicly. They'll never talk on the baptism of the Holy Spirit publicly because we're afraid. You know, we have one of our largest donors. They sit on the front row and they've already approached me and told me privately that they don't believe in this stuff. So we're afraid if we come up and stop, talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we'll lose their tithe money. And then, you know, that'll not allow us to move on to the next building program and stuff. They come up with such stupid excuses. And that's why they disqualify, they're grieving the Holy Ghost and disqualifying themselves from ever being used mightily of God. And as such, they're depriving. Imagine, imagine having a hundred thousand people that are starving and they're deprived of food and you own a warehouse that's full of food that can feed a million people and you lock it up and you keep it, you keep it bound from them. That's what many Christian leaders are doing. There are people that are starving for an encounter with power. There are people that are hungry to see, the, uh, to receive this baptism in the Holy Ghost. There are people that are growing weary and are, are, are ready to quit, ready to throw in the towel. And unless they receive this mighty baptism, they ain't going to make it. But because you're afraid to talk about it because of a large donor on seat number one, you're going to deprive them of having an encounter with the raw power of God. That's not how P Paul ran his ministry. He said, if I was still striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I was still striving to, to be favorable or to hold favor with men, I wouldn't be a preacher of the gospel because the gospel is an offense to those that don't care about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not going to tame myself to suit the lukewarm, to attract and draw in the lukewarm just so that I can have an appealing ministry. I will not shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of the word of God. If it offends, then let it offend. But I know that it might offend the perishing, but to those that are the called, those that are hungry, those that are desiring, those that are like David, my soul longeth for thee, my flesh cries out for thee, to see thy power in thy sanctuary, those are the ones I want to reach today. And that's why if that's you, tuning into this broadcast and you've cried out to God, 
You said, Lord, I can't make it on my own. Then you're just in the right state of mind and hearts, your heart's in the right position to receive power with God because the Bible doesn't say that you should be strong in yourself. The Bible doesn't say you should do it all on your own. The Bible doesn't say you should load your own burden and keep your own burden uh, on, on, your, on, your, on your chariot. No, the Bible says you should be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. Zechariah 4.6. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We, I'm not just talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost so we can have anointed preachers. I'm not just talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost so you can be a witness to people around you. I'm talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost so you can be an anointed father. So that you can be an anointed mother. We need men and women to rise up and order their families aright like Abraham did, like David did. We need people that aren't going to fall in to the uh, to the patterns of this world. That aren't going to be drawn to the this n- new wave of progressive Christianity. That it's all just mental ascent, and there's nothing substantial with it. We need fathers and mothers in the home that are going to teach and lead their children to pray in the Holy Ghost, to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, to not only do, do that, but to whenever they're sick, whenever there's something that's bothering them, that you don't have to call pastor and put him on the line and have him pray for your kid. You can have power with God. Greater is he that lives in you than anything that would come against your house or your family. It's a, about time we stop contracting out our problems to others and we start to see that there's more than enough power with God living on the inside of us to deal with the problems that we face. This, and this is what I'm getting at. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not do it. So do you notice how it doesn't say they didn't try to do it? They tried to do it. They could not do it. And remember, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus had already called his disciples and gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of sickness and disease. So they had authority, but they were lacking power. And Jesus answered and said, Well, that's because it's not my will to heal the child, you know. You'll understand when all is said and done and uh, you you get to heaven and I'll show you exactly why I didn't want to heal that child. No. Notice how what Jesus replied. You faithless generation. So when people don't get healed in my meetings, I'm not blaming God and I'm not even going to blame the people. It's ultimately... I have to fast more. I have to pray more to secure atomic power with God so that when I'm faced with situations like this, I have a strong enough anointing to deal with the problem at hand. Acts chapter 28, Paul illustrates this. He builds a fire when he's on the island of Malta. In that fire, a snake was there and it jumped out and fastened on Paul's hand. That fire is like a type of the anointing. When the anointing is strong enough, when the heat is strong enough, It's going to draw the devils out. It's going to draw demonic powers out when you're preaching. But when the demons are drawn out, when a demon manifests in your home or wherever you're at, 
It's not so that you can get scared. They're trying to ultimately intimidate you so you back down. But the very fact that that demon is manifesting is proof that you have a strong enough anointing to deal with it. What did Paul do? Oh man, please keep me in prayer. This is one of those snakes that I heard you got 10 steps before you fall down dead. No, he shook the snake out back into the fire. Notice the same fire that drew it out is the same fire that destroyed it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The anointing isn't just so you can be safe and protected and kept kept well and nice and clean. No, the anointing is for service. That wherever you go, demons tremble when you walk on the scene. Hallelujah. Wherever you go, sicknesses have to go like Peter. Peter carried such an anointing that just the shadow of Peter passing by the sick were healing them. Philip carried such an anointing when he began to preach Christ. In Samaria, many that were taken with demons cried out, the Bible says, coming out of them. And he healed all that were paralyzed and taken with palsies and great joy hit the city. Hallelujah. I'm tired of seeing Christians complain about, oh man, there's a principality of this here there's a strong demonic presence here oh man I can feel there's darkness in this room as a believer you're anointed with light to shine the darkness out not the other way around man the Bible doesn't say resist the devil and you'll flee the Bible says if you'll submit to God which you have if you're born again then you have power by the Holy Ghost to resist the devil and he will run from you as in terror You can't live uh, with the consciousness of that we're just weak, bruised up, depraved. How many of you know we're weak and he is strong? Not anymore. We're strong because of his anointing that's resident in us. That's why Paul said, I can do. Not I can pray about all things. He said, I can do all things because of Christ who gives me strength. And you got to understand the same awareness Paul had. You got to keep in your own mind. You got to live in this consciousness that it's no longer I who lives, but now Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. I don't live like TJ. It's just TJ walking around. It's no longer TJ that lives. It's no longer the TJ that walks around. It's Christ resident in me. The Bible says, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, that it's God's spirit that dwells in you. You are not your own. The Bible tells the story in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5, 1 Samuel chapter 5, that when the Philistines took the ark of God, which was a symbol of the presence of God, God dwelt in the ark in the Old Testament. And the Bible says, when they took the ark of God and laid it by the demon idol called Dagon the next day wasn't the ark of God that fell to the ground the next day wasn't the ark of God that was like broken up and shred to smithereens the Bible says the next day Dagon had fallen over then they had to help their God up and put him back on which by the way if you have to help your God it's about time you choose a new God if you have to help your God if you're coming to the defense of your God and your deity then maybe you need to consider that God that God ain't God. My God, I don't have to help my God. My God helps me. I don't have to come to the defense of my God. My God comes to the defense of me. I'm not a very present help for God. He's a very present help for me in times of trouble. You go to some nations and they have their idols sitting at the front of their temples and people, you know, there's like two guards next to it. Let someone come and knock it over. If you have to guard your God so he doesn't get knocked over, you're serving the wrong God. Hallelujah. What happened? The next day after they had put it up the next day 
That Dagon was fallen over. Its head and its hands were severed. The head represents authority. The hands represent power. Jesus is anointed. <laughs> I give you power and authority, Jesus said. I'm giving you power over the power of the devil. And I'm giving you authority over the authority of the devil. That you don't have to tolerate when he shows up. You don't have to tolerate or endure his affliction and presence. No, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But we have power with God to be delivered. Delivered out of them all. Hallelujah. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? You know what Christianity without the Holy Ghost does? Just blames God for everything. Why are not more people saved? Well, God doesn't want all men. You know, there's actually denominations that believe that God does not want all men to be saved. Do you know that there's actual denominations that believe that God plays like duck, duck, damned with people? That there's people that are predestined for hell no matter what they want or do. Even if they cry out for mercy, they're predestined for hell. Do you know that there's full denominations that believe that? Even though the scripture says God so loved the whole world. Not part of the world, not some of the world. The Bible says that God desires all men to be saved. Not some men. Not most men, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know that the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is being patient with his second coming, not willing that any, not willing that the elect, no, not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. And so what happens when you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost? You come up with stupid excuses, lukewarm sayings. How many of you know you can come to God sick, but sometimes he's got a better plan. He's trying to navigate you through the storm. Amen? No, not amen. Show me one story where someone came to Jesus that was sick. And Jesus looked at him and he said, I have power to help you, but I'm not going to help you because I have a... No. That woman with the issue of blood didn't even wait for Jesus to come and lay hands on her. She came with her own agenda. She came and put a demand on the anointing. She said, even if he doesn't touch me, I'm going to touch him. There's some people that go to church. Oh, I hope pastor's going to pray for me today. Well, I sure do hope he calls me out of the crowd and gives me a word today. There's too many people waiting for God to touch them when God is waiting for you to touch him. She thought she had suffered many things at the hands of many physicians. She grew no better. She only grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, that's what you're doing right now. You're hearing about Jesus and the baptism of his spirit. The Bible says she pressed through the crowd she didn't wait for her breakthrough just waiting for my deliverance amen in God's timing she said no God's timing is today's the day of salvation that be and knowing that I'm not going to wait for him to touch me I'm pressing through the crowd and I'm going to touch the hem of his garment I'm going to squeeze that garment and I know that when I do power is going to flow from him to me and whatever's up Side down in my life will turn upside right. Whatever is hemorrhaging in my body will be, that flow is going to cease today. And what happened? As her faith was, so be it unto her. Don't seek to just be informed today. Seek to touch the hem of his garment. And as you do, the same electric virtue, the same high voltage current of the Holy Ghost that was flowing in Christ is going to flow to you today. And you'll never be the same. Like Saul, Oh, man, I'm preaching today. If, you're, if you don't get baptized in the Holy Ghost from this, there's something wrong. Saul, the Bible says, 
The power of the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was turned into another man. The Holy Spirit will turn you into another man. It'll turn you into another woman. If you're shy, the Lion of Judah will rise strong in you. If you're, if you're a, a timid person, if you're not uh, skilled in what God's called you to do, the baptism in the Holy Ghost will in, embed within you supernatural abilities to do and to perform all that God's called you to do in, in Jesus' name. You adulterous and faithful, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So you notice, they went to the disciples. That's why you can't base your theology on, well, I got prayed from this person, that person, and this person, and I never got healed. So obviously, it must not be God's will to heal me. You can't base your theology on that because they brought them to the disciples who'd walked with Jesus and had authority to do it, but they did, that boy didn't get healed. But then Jesus said, bring him to me. Some of you are waiting for hands to be laid on you, which there's nothing wrong with the laying on of hands. James 5 says it's one of the ordinances of the church. It's something we have to do. But there's an easier way and a fail-proof way to receive healing today and to receive uh, restoration, whatever you need in your life. Go directly to the source. The Bible says that uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. And the Bible says we can draw near with a true assurance of faith. We can draw near to him. This isn't the Catholic way of doing things. Got to come to the priest before. No, you can, you can come boldly before God himself and he'll help you. So they brought him to Jesus. How long has this been? Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, when the, the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus, uh, the, the father said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus answered, and I love the New Living Translation. It says, if I can, if I can, it was almost like he was offended. If you can believe... All things are possible to him that believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people coming, run, came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. If you're just joining me now, I'd be encouraged if you share, help me uh, spread this message today by sharing this broadcast. It'll be a great blessing to me and to others. You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and then enter him no more. And the spirit come, cried out, convulsed him greatly, and he came out of him, and he became as one dead. So that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. When he had come into his house, the disciples asked him, saying, why could we not cast it out? Jesus replied, this kind comes not out except by prayer and fasting. He was saying, you lacked power. You lacked power to deal with the situation on hand. That's why. That's my 33-minute introduction to as to why you need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19. You know, in John chapter 6, the Bible says that uh, there were over 5,000, there were 5,000 men following Jesus, not counting women and children. And when Jesus saw that the multitudes were getting hungry, that they had followed him for three days, he asked his disciples, knowing exactly what he was going to say after, but he asked his disciples. John 6, before I go to Acts 19. 
Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Jesus said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone shall eat a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew Peter, Andrew, uh, Andrew and Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, so that, but what are they among so many? In another uh, uh, account of it, I think it's in Matthew or in Luke, the disciples said, where can we find such food to feed these multitudes in the wilderness? Why don't you send them away that they can buy food in the city? And Jesus said, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. When the church lacks power via the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we are reduced to a referral center or a consultation center, you know, uh, trying to get people to like, endure the storm trying to get people to just understand what god's doing and through it all when the church lacks that's why the devil doesn't want the church to get onto this message the devil can't stop the power of god all he can do is mock it and get people to turn away from it acts chapter 19 look at how paul saw the baptism in the holy spirit it wasn't some cherry on the top it wasn't just some well even though, you know, if you're saved, doesn't matter if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, one day you'll be in heaven and that's all that matters. At, and it happened, Acts 19.1, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So notice, this guy, it's not like 2021, where you go somewhere and, you know, anywhere in Florida, there's like a thousand churches on within a, a hundred mile radius. It's not like today where there, there, there's a lot of Christians on planet earth that no matter pretty much any, any city in America, not pretty much, definitely, any city in America, America is going to have a church. It's going to have places where you can go to church, attend church. This is like the, the first century AD. This is the early church. There aren't churches everywhere yet. And so Paul comes through Ephesus Imagine you're on vacation. You go to like Mexico and you're in on a, like a, 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 at a resort where you didn't expect to see anybody you know. And all of a sudden, you see 15 people, a group of people that you know from back home. And you're like, man, what brought you here? It, that's what Paul's experiencing. He comes to Ephesus and he finds disciples. And notice what the first thing he asked them is. He didn't ask them, hey, why don't you tell me who came and preached? Why don't you tell me what the greatest miracle you guys saw? Hey, can you tell me how this revival started? And if, no. He, the first thing Paul asked those, that group of believers is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? He skipped all the preliminary talk and got straight to the meat. They said, no, we have not even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. You know what that tells you? You will never walk in anything, any blessing that you're not taught and preached out of the word of God. You will never walk in any blessing from God's word that you're not taught and you're not preached out of the word of God. You can see that in healing. When you're not taught healing, you'll never walk in healing because faith begins where the word of God and the will of God is known. And so if you don't know God's promised you healing, you'll never uh, be violent to take it by force. You'll never, you'll never, like the word of God says, 
The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You'll just have this casual thing, you know, some people struggle this, some people struggle in sickness, some pe- we all have our struggles, amen. You'll never have a violence rise in your spirit where you resist the devil in that area and then receive, acquire what God's promised you. You know, the Bible says all blessings have, Ephesians 1.3, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. There's nothing that God has held back from you as a new covenant, new uh, born-again believer. But do you notice that there's not every Christian is walking in the fullness of God's power? There's some people, forget Christians, there's not, not every uh, pastor or preacher is walking in the fullness of God's power. If you've been a Christian for any, uh, five years or a year and your church has had guest speakers come in, or, you know, now with online streaming, you can tell there's some people who carry very, very low voltage anointing. They carry nothing. They, they'll preach the word, but there's no weight of glory and weight of power that's on their words. Jesus, the Bible says when he spoke, all the multitudes marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. The Bible says when Jesus came into Jerusalem in Matthew 21, the whole city was moved because of him. So you can, if you've been a Christian for a year and you've heard three or four speakers preach, you can tell that not everyone's operating at the same level of anointing. That's not God's will. Because God has blessed us with every blessing in spiritual, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. But you know what? You can have a million dollars in the bank. If you don't know how to access it, that million dollars can't even buy you a McDonald's cheeseburger. And then I'll go on the opposite end. So there's some people who ignore what God's blessed them with and the power that's available to them. And then there's some people who unless they feel power, they don't believe they have power. There's two ends of the spectrum. I would rather know that I have a million dollars in the bank than feel like I have a million dollars in my bank account. Because I can feel I'm a millionaire all I feel like a million bucks today. I, I don't have a million bucks So it doesn't matter how I feel, I can't spend it. I'd rather know it. So that's why when you get up in the morning, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. I don't feel anointed. I don't don't feel like I'm full of power. It, It doesn't even matter. You have to know that you're a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside because the word states, greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. David, Psalm 18, he was confessing by faith, by my God, I can run through a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. By my God, he makes my hands to bend a bow of bronze and trains my fingers for war. He makes my feet like a deer's feet to ride on the high places of the earth. That was a confession of faith. David, I'm sure, even though he was anointed in 1 Samuel 16, I'm sure there were days he didn't feel anointed. I, who knows what he felt when he came uh, in contact with Goliath that day. I, I'm pretty sure, relatively certain, he didn't feel electricity, electricity tingling in his bones. But the fact remained the same. He remembered the same anointing that delivered me in the paw of the bear, the same anointing that delivered me from the paw of the lion. I have that anointing whether I feel like it or not. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like the rest. I'm going to cut his head off and feed his body to the birds of the air. 
If the devil can convince you that you are what you feel, you lost. You lost. The Bible is very clear. If the devil can hold you in the arena of reason and logic and feeling and the, uh, and the flesh realm, he'll whip you every single day of the week. But if you'll take the devil into the realm of faith, where I might feel this way, but I have been anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. I might feel this way, but I have my feet planted in the house of God and I'm anointed to flourish and grow. I might feel a certain way, but I have the power of the Holy Ghost resident in me who has anointed me to do the impossible. To cast out unclean spirits. To heal the sick. I'm anointed to solve problems. No matter how, how dumb I was before I came to Christ. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's part of what the baptism in the Holy Ghost will do for you. You might have been on drugs 13 years, 15 years, and your brains are like scrambled eggs. The anointing is going to like unscramble the eggs. And put supernatural wit, supernatural intelligence in your brain so that you can solve the unsolvable. That's why the scripture says, know you not that when you were called, not many of you were wise. God didn't call you because you were smarter than the rest. God didn't call you because you were stronger than the rest. God didn't call you because you were a gifted person. God didn't call you because of a special set of skills and talents you had. He called you when you were weak. He called you when you were unwise. He called you when you were despised. He called you when you were at the worst. Why? To shame the things that are mighty. To shame the things that are wise. To shame the things that are so that no flesh can glory in it in his presence. I'm not what I used to be. I've been anointed with fresh oil. And I'm anointed to do great things on the earth. Whether the devil likes it or not. Hallelujah. So Acts 19 says... Into what then were you baptized? He said in the John's baptism, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after, that is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse six, and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Turn with me to Acts chapter eight. So look at the premium Paul put on receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Well, I believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I would never preach that publicly, you know. I don't know what people would say. Quit the ministry. Leave. You're a disgrace to the ministry talking like that. Jesus said, he that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood, he has my life in him. And the Bible says from that moment onward, many left him because it was too hard of a saying to swallow. Jesus looked to his disciples. Will you leave me also? Peter looked at him and said, where can we go? You hold the words of life. Peter was saying, yes, that's a hard saying to swallow. Yes, it might not be the most popular opinion. But everything you say, all your precepts, all your word concerning all things we consider to be right. And we're not going to shy away. We're not going to shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of the word of God. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and beginning with verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And Phil hey, Isaiah. Love you, man. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. 
And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken of by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Jesus, with, before he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, could do nothing. He didn't do any miracles. There were no signs and wonders. Nobody got healed. Nobody even knew his name. The Bible says in Matthew 3, coming out of the waters, the heavens were open and the Spirit of God descended upon him like as of a dove. He was not a dove. It, it was just uh, painting a picture of how the baptism of the Holy Ghost happened for Christ. It was like a, a, a transition. Heavenly power just merged into his body. And the Bible says he went, fasted, and prayed 40 days. Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and fame of his name began to spread throughout the surrounding regions. Nobody knew he was irrelevant on the earth. Nobody, nobody, under, nobody knew who Jesus was. He was just a carpenter's son. That's why when he came to his own town of Nazareth after and he began to preach, he could do no mighty works there because they looked at him as, isn't this the carpenter's son? Where did this man, where does this guy go off thinking he's something great? They took offense at him. He could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. But understand, understand that Jesus, before he was baptized in the spirit, could do no, no mighty works. He couldn't, he, there's no miracles. Not like the gospel of Thomas, that false gospel that uh, says that he was like making doves in the sand and causing him to come. That's, that's false gospel. It's heresy. It's not canon. It's not part of the inspired doctrine of God's word. He wasn't, doing, he wasn't going around at 15 years old and uh, doing magic tricks, pulling flowers out of people's ears. Wow. He wasn't doing that. Only after he received the baptism in the spirit did he go out to have a miracle ministry. And you notice, Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, I'm going to the Father now. You should tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Jesus was essentially telling the disciples, don't even try it without uh, the power that's living in me. Don't even try to go out and speak in my name without my power because it's going to go real sour for you. Don't leave Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem until you've received power from on high. John 16, Jesus was talking about his departure and the disciples began to feel, feel sorrow. Lord, you're leaving? We just started this ministry three and a half years ago. What do you mean you're leaving? We're finally seeing breakthrough. People are coming from everywhere. We're even having Gentiles come and approach you now. This is going to be a worldwide ministry. We're going to have a global impact. The Bible says, Jesus said, don't sorrow because I said to you I'm leaving. It is actually to your advantage that I go away. When Jesus was on the earth, there was only one spirit-filled Christian. When Jesus went to heaven, he said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to send you another. Hallelujah. The same Holy Ghost, Jesus said, that's enabled me to cast out devils by the Spirit of God. The same Holy Ghost that's enabled me to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The same Holy Ghost. Paul, uh, Jesus told 
Philip, in John 14, the works that you see me do, I do not on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he doeth the works. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, God said he will dwell in you and quicken your mortal body so that as you go, you will preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. As you go, you will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. As you go, you're not going to have to refer them to some professional or some expert or some other counselor. You have power with God to break the chains of depression that instead of their mourning, the Bible says they shall receive oil of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So John 16, 13 says, it's to your advantage that I go, for if I don't go, I can't send you to help her. But if I go, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. So that now, you know, the devil's the biggest idiot since the dawn of time. The devil's such a, 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 a moron. He thought by crucifying Christ, which by the way, he didn't crucify Christ. Christ laid his own life down of his own initiative. He said, I lay my life down that I might take it up again. This command I've received from my father. But the devil was almost like happy. All right, he's done. He's out of the way. Three days later, he had a, his, uh, a surprise happened. Jesus Christ raises from the dead. But not only, did, not only that happened. Jesus said, instead of there being one me on the earth, by my spirit, I'm going to live through multitudes. Instead of there being one anointed person on the earth. Now, I'm anointed with the same spirit that Christ had. You're anointed with the same spirit that Christ had. Now the devil has more. If 120 people in Acts chapter 2 receive power with God to go about, and they turn the world upside down, the Bible says, how much more shall we in this present day, day and age, where there's 186 of you online right now, if you will be receive fresh power from heaven and be dispatched, sent out by the Holy Ghost, how much more damage do you suppose we can do to the kingdom of darkness on the earth today and establish a great work for God? Our generation doesn't belong to the devil. You know, I talked on Tuesday about the end times. I talked about um, uh, the prophetic timeline of God, where we are, the next event to happen in God's timeline is the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, before that rapture takes place, there's going to be a mighty revival that sweeps the earth. That's not me having wishful things thinking that's not me hoping that happens we have a word to stand on we have the prophetic word confirmed hallelujah joel 2 said in the last days says god i'm gonna pour out of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy that spirit's not gonna be poured out on all flesh just to benefit you yes the anointing will first do something in you but what god does in you he's gonna begin to do through you freely you receive Receive, now freely give. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. God has wants to drop in your spirit today a vision. Many people that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost that were lost, that where to go in life. They didn't know what to do. They, they were at a like a roadblock. They didn't know what the next step in the journey of life held for them. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden, divine blueprints begin to be lodged in their spirit. And they knew the plan of action. They knew the direction to go. That's what happened. 
happened to me when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I began, I began to see crowds coming out to hear the gospel in open air meetings, not only in Africa, not only in, in India, but in America and then in Canada. God did not, hallelujah. Do you think that those stadiums that have been erected all across America, those amazing stadiums, the ones in Houston, Dallas, all across America, New York City, Madison Square Garden, do you think those stadiums, do you think those arenas were made for the devil's crowd? Do you think those arenas were made for people to come and watch a hockey game or a football game? That was all in the plan of God because the day's gonna come where they're gonna be filled, not with one Billy Graham going around, but with many Billy Grahams, many Reinhardt Bonkies that have the same anointing going around, packing stadiums out, seeing multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision as men, like in Samaria, begin to turn away from sin and to turn to the living God. And you're not going to be on the sideline just applauding, saying, wow, how God's using them. God's going to use you. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro, seeking one whose heart is loyal to him, that he might show himself strong on his behalf. Well, brother, I don't feel qualified. Great. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you're called. You're called. You're anointed. God's established himself in you. And he has no small plans for you. The fire of God will do through you what you never thought imaginable. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of God will become will come in you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. We're on the brink. We're not on the brink. Excuse my, those words. We're not even waiting for revival. We're not contending for revival. We are in revival right now. And you got to make a decision. I'm either going to be a lukewarm Christian that's casual and just goes through the, the motions. Just want just content being in church on Sunday morning. And you're you're treading dangerous lines by doing that. Or you're gonna settle it in your heart. When my master comes, I'm not gonna be found sitting. I'm gonna be found working. And God said, if you'll be like that, the Bible says in Ezekiel 22 30. I sought for a man. I sought for a woman. You got to get this. I want you to write this down in the comment section. God does not work apart from me. God works through me. God does not work apart from me. God works through me. Write that in the comment section. God does not work apart from me. God works through me. I sought for a man, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty who would stand in the gap and rebuild the walls of righteousness, but I didn't find anyone. I don't want that to be the case on planet Earth right now. I believe when God's eyes run to and fro, I want his eyes to stay on me because he's found me faithful to his word, not faithful to fame, not faithful to advancing my ministry or myself, faithful to his word. And as such, he'll say, that is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I believe that's you today. Some of you are watching and you're like me. You've been faithful to the call of God. You didn't give up and quit when you could have. You've gone through the test. You've considered it great joy when you encountered various trials and tests. 
And as such, God, hallelujah, you've proved faithful in the little. I feel this is a prophetic word for somebody. You've proved faithful in the little. And now I'm going to bring you to much. You've been faithful in the little that I've put you in charge of. And now I'm going to give you more. I'm taking you to the next level. You're leveling up with God. You've had the ankle deep anointing. You've had a little miracle here and a little miracle there. You've had knee deep anointing. You've had a waist deep anointing. But Ezekiel 47 says, I'm going to push you into the waters that cannot be passed over. Hallelujah. A new dimension of power with God is coming your way. The dead shall begin to rise. The sick shall be healed. Cancers that are terminal shall be dissolved and done away with as the weapon of your hand touches those bodies. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Unclean spirits crying out with loud voices came out of many who were possessed and many that were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city astonishing the people of Samaria. I feel like it'd be wrong to not pray right now. Reco Brazindreve. You're watching right now and you're believing God for a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've never spoken in tongues. Why do we speak in tongues? Because the pattern scripturally is they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in other tongues. The Bible says the pattern throughout Acts 2, you can read it in Acts 4, you can read it in Acts 19, you can read it in Acts 10. The Bible says when Peter was preaching to Cornelius' household, while he was still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell. That's what I'm feeling right now. As I've been speaking, God's interrupting this message. Because the end of preaching, the end goal of preaching is not to get the message out. The end goal of preaching is to bring, to usher in the presence of God, to do what God wants to do today. God wants to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. While they were still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And Peter said, can we refrain them from being baptized in water, seeing that they have received the Spirit in the same manner that we received the Spirit? That means they spoke, how did they receive the Spirit? Acts 2, they spoke with other tongues. Acts 10, in the same manner, they spoke with other tongues. I'm praying right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, be filled with the Holy Ghost from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Right now, let fresh oil, it's like an angel is pouring out a vial of oil all over you right now. Let it out of your mouth by faith. The Bible says they were filled with the Spirit, but they had to take the step of faith to speak with the tongues. Don't grieve or don't shut the flow of God's power by holding it in. Just speak it. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. When I was reading in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria. They were, there was a revival in Samaria. So if you, if you go to a church where they don't teach this, where it's just, you know, when you get saved you're filled with the holy spirit not true when you get saved the spirit comes to indwell you because the bible says salvation unless you're born of spirit and of truth you cannot enter the kingdom of god salvation is a work of the spirit and the word the spirit comes to indwell you but there's a subsequent a follow-up experience to salvation 
And that is the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. They receive the word of God, Acts chapter 8. But if you continue reading the scriptures, let me read it. Acts chapter 8. So they, get, they got saved, they got baptized in water, if you read 9 through 13. Verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They heard that they were saved. They heard about the revival. They heard about people getting healed. They heard about people coming out of wheelchairs. But they still felt it necessary, Peter and John, to come to Samaria to do what? When they had come, pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these were saved people. Well, we're word only church, amen. What does that even mean? What is the word for? The word is for us to preach so that the Holy Spirit can come and confirm. Mark 16, 20. And they went everywhere preaching the word. The Lord worked with them, confirming the word preached with signs, with signs and wonders following. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So that shows that there's an evident manifestation of an inward work. It wasn't like, oh, we just believe we're filled with the Holy Spirit because we're... Conf no, something happened. Simon was able to see a manifestation of the work of the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. There is you can't say, oh, well, the anointing's so strong today and nothing's happening. Oh, praise God, the Spirit of God was really in our service today. What happened? Show me why the Spirit, well, we just, we just felt His presence. Yeah, we can feel His presence. I felt His presence many times. But there's always something to show for it. Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire. Acts chapter 3, a man laid at the gate called Beautiful lifted up out of his, his state of paralysis. Acts chapter 5, Peter, shadow passing on people, people getting healed. Acts chapter 19, extraordinary miracles are done by the hands of Paul, handkerchiefs and aprons. Talk about an overflow of the anointing, that just the residue anointing on Paul, as they took the handkerchiefs and aprons from his body, were brought to them that were sick, and the sick were healed, and demons were cast out. Acts chapter 14, Paul's preaching at Lystra, and a man that's an impotent from his mother's his mother's womb begin, uh, has faith to stand up. Paul calls out, stand up straight on your feet, and the guy's healed supernaturally. Jesus' ministry, the Bible says, as he began to teach on a certain day, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees came to hear him, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. There was always something happening. Jesus is preaching the word in Mark chapter 2. And many come and hear him. There's not even room to receive them, not even near the door. But look at what happened. A man that's lame, his four friends carry him to the roof, cut off the roof, drop him before Jesus, and the man doesn't stay lame. He walks up, and there was great rejoicing and glory that day. Mark chapter 2. Anytime you see the, the Spirit manifest there's always a work and how does the spirit manifest so the baptism in the spirit is like 
the doorway. It's the gateway to the supernatural. I want you to write that in the comment section. The baptism in the spirit is the gateway to the supernatural. The baptism in the spirit is the gateway to the supernatural. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what's going to happen when you get baptized in the spirit and you begin to yield to the spirit of God to use you. Do you understand that electricity was not an invention? Electricity was not something that uh, a man invented. It was a discovery. Man learned how to flow with the laws of nature to produce electricity. We're not trying to manufacture a work, a move of God. We're learning to flow with the Spirit after we're baptized in the Holy Ghost so that God, we can be a conduit of the Holy Spirit to reach this lost, dying, tired, sighing, crying humanity with the power of God. So what happens when we're an appropriate conduit of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12.1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't, that word spiritual gifts is uh, pneumaticos. It has to do with the things of the spirit, how the spirit moves. So Paul's saying when the spirit, when you get baptized in the spirit, when you get filled with the spirit, this is how the spirit's going to move through you. This is what you're going to operate in. This is how the gifts are going to function through and in you. And I don't want you to be ignorant. So that shows you if you're ignorant of this, it doesn't matter how anointed you are, doesn't matter how much electricity is flowing through these walls. If I don't take the plug and plug it into the wall, there's that appliance is not going to do me much good. My oven is not going to do me much good unless I plug it in. My microwave is not going to do me much good unless I plug it in. My lights, this computer, my microphone is not going to do me any good unless I plug it in. There's too many people that, you know, there's churches. We need the fire of God. Bless God, we need the fire. Oh, I'm, I'm praying everyone, we get baptized in the spirit. We need the fire. We need the, what's that fire gonna do? There's, I feel like there's so many people, they're overloaded with anointed, but they haven't learned to release that anointing in the direction it needs to go in. So Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's not just for goosebumps. It's not so you can fall down. If all you do in getting baptized in the Spirit is fall down and you don't get back up and things are changing for you and you begin to operate in a higher level of power, people are getting blessed around you, people are getting healed around you, then you fell for no reason. You fell dead and you rose up dead. If you fall, and I'm not against falling. Falling, that's how some people react to the power of God. In the Old Testament, when the presence of God filled the temple, the Bible says they couldn't even stand to minister in the temple. So, but if all you do is fall and, and, and get back up and you're in the same state you were before you fell, it didn't do you much good. I want people to fall and get back up a new person. I want people to receive power and not be ignorant as to what that power is for. And I'll say it again, the fire of God is not just for a service, the fire of God is for Christian service. Paul says there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the, through the same Spirit. Do you notice how it keeps saying the same Spirit, the same Spirit? Very dangerous to go out and attribute the work of the Spirit to the work of the devil, which some ministers have been guilty of doing. 
Jesus said, any sin and blasphemy that you commit against the Son of God or against God himself, the Father, will be forgiven. But whoever, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit is guilty of an unpardonable sin. If you don't know what's going on, keep your mouth shut. There's some churches that have signs that say no speaking in tongues in the sanctuary. They're called seeker-sensitive churches. We don't want people speaking in tongues because if an unbeliever comes in, they hear them speaking in tongues. We don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Do you know Paul said we're not to forbid speaking in tongues? Indirectly, by doing that, you're grieving the Spirit and coming dangerously close to, to blaspheming the Spirit. Because God wants to do something through somebody. Imagine someone has a word in tongues to deliver to the sanctuary and they, they saw that sign coming in. Don't speak in tongues. Forbidden speaking in tongues. And now they, they have to like control themselves because the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet so you can control yourself. Could you imagine that? There's some people, if the Holy Ghost walked in with a top hat and a monocle and a staff in his hand, in his hand, the, minister, the guy ordering the service wouldn't even, wouldn't even recognize it. If the Holy Ghost came and slapped him in the face, he wouldn't even know what hit him. He would not even know. There's some churches where their whole service is tailored to prevent these things from happening. What I'm about to read. Gifts of healing. Gifts of miracle, uh, working of miracles. Gifts of prophecy. Which... Paul says these things are for the edifying of the church. Remember what we said in verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is for the profit of all. So the baptism in the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit is not going to harm the church. It's going to grow the church. Look at Smith Wigglesworth. Anyone ever hear of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth was saved. But he wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost till later in life. So he, pre- he would preach but he was an awful preacher. His wife was actually the main preacher at his church. Uh, Salvation Army Church. She was the pastor. He would just come and pray for the sick and lay hands on the sick and whatnot. But he he would never preach because he would stammer in his lips. He wouldn't know what to say. He'd, he'd like finish in like two minutes, three minutes. And so he just said to his wife, Polly, you go out and preach. I'll come in and I'll lay hands on people and, and, and I'll minister to people, but I'm not going to preach. He ends up, uh, you know, 1906, Azusa Street happens. Latter rain anointing falls in California, spreads throughout the whole entire earth, comes to him in Bradford, England. He ends up going to an Episcopalian church where the minister had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. But Smith Wigglesworth, see if you're a prideful person, you'll never receive this. Smith Wigglesworth was one of the type of people that said, I'm saved. The Bible says that we're born of the Spirit and of truth. I have the Holy Ghost. I don't need this. And he kind of thought it was like nonsense. This whole like, you know, uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. All he wanted was to speak in tongues as in Acts chapter 2. So he went to the Episcopalian church and asked the minister, pray for me so I can speak in tongues. And the lady said, it was a, a lady, I don't need to pray for you to speak in tongues. You need to be filled with the Spirit. He said, I have the Spirit, I'm saved. Yes, but there's a subsequent experience. That's the indwelling. But there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But he kept saying, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit. I just want to speak in tongues. And he, she prayed, Lord, forgive this man of his pride and bypass it. Get him filled with the Holy Spirit. She ends up leaving uh, to answer the door. Someone had rang the, rang the doorbell or knocked on the door, whatever they had in the 1900s. And he is still lifted hands, praying in the, in the office of the, of the church. And he begins to see a vision 
of like the blood of Jesus washing his life away, his past away. And he begins to cry out, clean, 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 clean. And before he knew it, clean, began to be quebra, quebro, sondo, started to speak in tongues, and he received the mighty baptism in the spirit from that day onward. He goes back to Bradford, England, and tells his wife, Polly, I'm preaching this Sunday night. She was like, what? You're preaching? That's not, nor that's not a, a normal thing for you to ask, but whatever. She schedules him to preach. That Sunday, he gets up, takes the pulpit, begins to like machine gun preach under the anointing of God. Begins to preach up out of the utterance of the Holy Ghost. And Polly, his wife, is at the back of the, of the auditorium. And she's at the edge of her seat. And she's saying out loud, that's not my Smith. That's not my Smith. Because something changed. And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you. To, to be witnesses unto me, Acts 1.8 says. What's a witness? It's one who provides proof. One who provides evidence. And then Wigglesworth goes on to have one of the most generationally impacting ministries since the book of Acts. And I can go through other men and women in history. I, there's a, a Baptist couple at my Bible college that I went to. Sister uh, Linda Henson and Brother Ernie Henson. A great couple. They um, were missionaries abroad, but they didn't have many results in the early days of their ministry. So they ended up coming back home. They were in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, the husband, Ernie Henson, had received the baptism in the Holy Ghost like weeks prior to this, and he began to speak in tongues, and he actually start, wanted to pre he was preaching to his wife the same thing that he had received, but she wouldn't want anything to do with it. She thought it was like demonic, she thought it was like weirdo, and she was like kind of like wondering if her husband would ever come back to his senses. A couple of weeks later, they're in St. Louis, Missouri, so he's baptizing the Spirit. He's trying to convince her that it's real. She's not convinced. They see a, a, a sign for Catherine Kuhlman's meeting at the main auditorium in the city. So they, uh, he convinces her to go and attend one meeting. He said, if you come and attend one meeting with this lady, because he knew that she'd been used mightily to minister this baptism to people. If you come and attend one meeting with me, I'll promise you I'll never bring it up again. I'll never talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I won't speak in tongues in your presence. I'll leave you alone, but come and give me at least this one meeting. So she finally says, you know what? If, I, if you'll leave me alone after this, I'll go. She goes, as they're like on the highway, they can see the auditorium, they can see the, the building and then a lineup that's wrapped around the building. So she's like, well, you know, we'll not even, we're not even going to be able to go in because there's not going to be any room because there was limited capacity and the lineup was like too long. So she, she, uh, they, they end up driving in and then they see parking is like crazy. Like we probably won't even find a parking spot. All of a sudden, they see one guy pull out at like the front boom, they drive right, oh no, it was at the back of the auditorium, sorry. They drive right into that parking spot it had opened up for them. When God has a plan to do something in your life, there's no devil that can stop it. When God has a plan to do something in your life, there's no effort you can, <laughs> God will do it. Look what he did with Paul. He knocked him off his donkey on the way to Damascus because he had a plan for his life to reach Gentiles for his sake. God's gonna use you. I tell you, anything hindering the flow of God's power, anything hindering you from receiving this mighty baptism, anything hindering you from walking in the fullness of God is being wiped out of the way in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. They pull in, they 
they get out. Well, there's still a lineup. We're probably not going to get a seat. Comes out of the back of the auditorium. Doors swing wide open. A man who goes out to like get something in his car. Someone who's on staff for those meetings, those crusade meetings. Sees Brother Ernie Henson. We're at 200, by the way, live, uh, 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 live viewership, which we've never reached 200. So thank you for everyone that's watching. God bless you. And uh, if you're just tuning in, please help me share the, God, the, the, the broadcast. The guy comes in as they're walking like towards the front. Brothers, Brother Ernie Henson? What are you doing here? Oh, we're here to see Catherine Coleman, but we're, we're not sure if we're going to get a seat. Oh, nonsense. The first three rows are reserved for people I want seated there. You come and sit. I'll put you up in the second row or the third row. I forget what it was. They put him in the second or third row. And now she's like, man. It's like the Lord had a hook in their mouth. And there was no, he's a good fisherman. He'll reel you in. So she's got her hands crossed. Catherine Kuhlman comes out to minister. She has her hands crossed. Brother Ernie's like peeking over. Every so often, seeing that she's not receiving anything, all of a sudden, she sees a cloud form in the left part of the left back of the auditorium, and she's like freaking out. She starts to look that maybe there's like a poor ventilation, you know, maybe there's a fire. She didn't know what it was, and it starts to grow, and it looks like as if there's like water coming out of it. And as the cloud is moving progressively towards the center of the auditorium. As the rain droplets begin to fall on people, they started to get wiped out in the spirit, speaking in tongues. And it's like there was a, an unseen hand doing all this behind the scenes. It's like there was an invisible wind that was breathing, uh, breezing through the auditorium. And she starts to shake Brother Ernie's chair and say, hey, do you see that? Do you see that? She's like causing a scene now. She's on the third, third row now. And uh, she's causing a scene. She's freaking out. She's like trying to stay away from it, getting to the other side. And Brother Ernie's like, I don't see anything. He didn't even see it. Just keep quiet. You're embarrassing us. Just listen. You know, he thought it was kind of like she was making fun of it or mocking it. The cloud comes. Finally, it comes over her. He gets knocked over. Didn't even know it was hitting him. Then she gets knocked over, begins to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave her utterance. They go out. They're like, I don't know, and they're... Late 70s, early, I don't know what they are now. They're some of the most successful ministries abroad. They were teachers at our Bible college, and they, weren't, they were in their 70s and still planning missionary trips. Powerful missionaries with signs and wonders confirming their message preached. And he ended up writing books on like, uh, speak the word, expect the wonder, all kinds of books on, on the miraculous power of God. This power is real. Saint fairy tale stuff. And our generation, the Bible says in Judges 2.10, another generation arose that did not know the power of God, neither the work that God had done for Israel. That's where we're at now. There's a full generation that has never seen one miracle take place. There's a, a, an evangelist that I know of. He was doing a crusade in Florida, I believe, or Alabama. And um, one of the nights, there was a man there whose neck was like, he was missing vertebrae, or he was missing some bones in his neck, had them removed, and so his neck was like lodged into his shoulders. And um, he was listening to the minister preach that day, and uh, the evangelist ends up turning aside to him, and he calls him up, and he ministers a working, the miracle, working of miracles to him, puts his hands right into his neck, and lifts up his neck. And as he does, 
the evangelist who had, who had seen many miracles before, he gets wowed. He goes, whoa, because he felt behind his hand new bones form and his neck had, re- had, had, had extended back to normal range. And he heard a gasp come out of his wife's, his, uh, the, the man's wife's mouth. And the wife was gasping because the doctors had said, if you move this neck in any way, too roughly or too sharp of a movement or whatnot, you can die on the spot. But when he grabbed that man's neck and lifted it up, that man grew two or three new vertebrae bones and he was uh, supernaturally restored and healed. Like that man had a withered hand, he stretched it forth and his hand was made whole as whole as the other. Well, in the second row or the third row of that meeting, there was a little girl who had a Muslim father They had been invited by uh, some friends, Christian friends of theirs, to attend the meetings. She sees that. And she starts to like weep. Because she had been looking at his neck the entire time. You know when you like see something weird on someone and you kind of like disrespectfully just like stare at it because you're like, what is that? Well, she was staring at his neck because it was so lodged in she had never seen that before when she saw his neck come back to normal she was tearing up a little seven-year-old eight-year-old girl the evangelist says do you want to see little girl do you want to see what a miracle feels like so he uh calls her out she puts his her hand on his neck the moment she touches the neck she falls out under the power and the the father seeing that she was falling jumps out of his seat and tries to grab her when he did that he get not he got knocked over and they were both filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues the way you stop a live current of electricity is not by putting your hand on it what happened right there somewhere as she touched that neck faith to be saved came in her heart When she got saved, God didn't waste any time. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then when her father saw that happen, somewhere between then, him reaching out and grabbing her, uh, he was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is real power. There's a generation that has not seen this at, at work on the earth today. But that's why I believe the grace of God has drawn you to this broadcast. To fill you with fresh power. So that you can provide... Acts 1-4, by many infallible proofs, he proved his resurrection. We're not called to just present an oral presentation. We're called to present the gospel orally and then to show the people that Jesus is alive. And it's the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost that's falling on you today. That's going to enable you to do that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you think you're going to do the works of Christ without the spirit of Christ in his fullness, it ain't going to work. I'll read one scripture and then I'm going to pray for you. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Start with verse 19. That you may know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. God doesn't want you halfway filled. God doesn't want you filled just to the brim. David said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. My cup runs over. That'll be your experience. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or imagine according to his power at work in us. The Bible says in Amos, the Lord God will do nothing on the earth unless he does it through his servants, the prophets. You were born for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. You weren't placed in 2021 by accident. 
You weren't born in this era by accident. God has strategically placed and positioned you for such a time as this, and he's adequately equipped you with sufficient power the bible says we are adequate ministers of the new covenant we're not inadequate ministers of the new covenant we are adequate ministers of the new covenant the holy spirit that descended in acts chapter 2 did not go up in acts chapter 4 he's still on the earth baptizing he's still on the earth setting people free he's still on the earth saving people and god didn't just save you to sit in a pew he saved you for service and it's about time we get to work be filled with the holy ghost and fire right now in the name of jesus the bible says that we're not to be drunk with wine in which is excess but to be filled with the holy ghost speaking that anointing is going to enable you to speak the word of god I don't know how to talk to my friends. The Bible says we are to speak as the oracle of God and minister with the ability which God supplies. The Bible says, uh, Ephesians 6, Paul said that utterance be given unto me at the opening of my mouth. When you're filled with the Spirit, he gives you utterance. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a mouth and a wisdom to speak. He said, it's not going to be you who speaks. It's the Spirit of your Father who will speak in and through you. Hallelujah. And that anointing is not just for preaching. There's an anointing to excel in business so that you can increase your business for the purpose of funding the gospel. If you just want to increase your business so you can have a bigger business, so you can have a bigger house and a nicer car, nothing wrong with a big house, nothing right, wrong with a nice house and a nice car. But if your motivation, we talked about that on Tuesday with Isaiah, that if you have impure motives, God's not going to bless you. You have to have pure motives. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. God will give you an anointing. He gave an anointing to those under the old covenant who were charged with the task of um, designing the artifacts of the temple and designing the temple itself. The Bible says he gave them skill to know how to do it. The anointing will give you skill to know how to conduct your business, to know how to increase your business. Just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that anointing on them made them 10 times wiser than all the, the people in the realm of Babylon. The Bible says there was an excellent spirit in Daniel that distinguished him on the earth. That anointing, the baptism in the Holy Spirit will empower you to distinguish you on the earth. It'll set you apart. It'll set you apart. If you're a teacher in a public school system, there's an anointing. The baptism in the Holy Spirit will empower you to minister to those kids. To minister to those kids. What they're not getting at home. People coming to you and confessing their parents beat them or they have an alcoholic father or you know they don't have much money and they come, they don't have the greatest lunch every day. God will enable you to minister to that kid by this mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. No matter where you find yourself in, you're part of the body of Christ and you're a member in particular. And the same anointing that flows through me to preach can flow through you to do whatever God has called you to do. And that'll be your story in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're here today, you've never, we have 211 of you watching online. Praise the Lord. If you're watching and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not right with God. Heaven is not default. Hell is by default. You need to make a deliberate choice to repent and believe on the gospel for the salvation of your soul. The Bible says we're to receive the word with meekness so that we can be saved. 
The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 3.19, repent and be converted so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. You can't have the times of refreshing until there's a time where you make a decision to repent. Choose ye this day whom you shall serve. Serve God and you'll be blessed. Serve the devil and you'll stay cursed. But when you serve God, no matter the curse that's followed you, in your family, your great-grandparent, whatever it is, every generational curse is broken when you turn your life over to Jesus because you're no longer part of an earthly family. You're now part of a heavenly family. You're now a member of the house of God. And in God's house, there are no generational curses. In God's house, there is no curse. The Bible says that there is no divination on the house of Jacob and there's no enchantment. There's no witchcraft that can come to the people of God on the earth when they're living lives pleasing to God. If you're watching this and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, maybe you have and you've backslidden and you know in your heart you're not ready to meet the Lord. You fall under category number two. If you're category one, you've never asked Christ to be Lord of your life. Or category two, you have, but you've backslidden. Today's the day. He said, I'll heal you of your backsliding. Pray this with me. Now this prayer in itself does not mean you're... Uh, this prayer in itself alone. If you pray this prayer and you go out to live whatever life you're, you've been living the whole time, you're, you're not going to get saved. I'm just leading you in a prayer of consecration to God. That today, May 6th, 2021, I'm making a decision to turn away from this world, to no longer love the things of this world, and to turn to Christ. I'm turning away from the power of darkness to the power of light. I'm turning away from the powers of the devil to the powers of God. I'm leaving this present world behind, and I'm joining hands with the nail-scarred hand of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and where he goes, I will follow. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And if you truly believe what you're praying, the Bible says, you shall be saved. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I believe you raised Christ from, this, from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord. Turn my life around. Fill me with your spirit. Wash me and cleanse me of all sin. Empower me to serve you. Let old things be passed away. Let everything become new from this, this day onward. I'm a new creature. My life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. I am saved. God is my father. Heaven is my home. And I ain't turning back. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to go on my website. Today's the day. You've first time decision or you recommitted your life to Christ today. I want you to go on my website, salvationnow.ca. Click the link that pops up. I just got saved. Fill it out. And I want to help you out and, uh, and, and get something to you that's going to help you out and welcome you in the family of God. For everyone else that's watching right now, I'm going to pray. If you're sick in your body, you know, Isaiah 61, let me read it. Isaiah 61, and thank you for the 211 plus people that are on this broadcast right now for, for sharing your Thursday afternoon with me, or if you're in another part of the world, whatever time it is there. 
I really, I love doing this. And when I go, I'm going on the road next, uh, this next week, I'm going to the United States for two months. I'm from Canada and I'm crossing the border for the first time since the pandemic to, well, to preach, yes. I crossed in December. But uh, we're coming to the United States to preach for two months, two and a half months. And um, I'm bringing my, my live stream equipment with me because I'm not stopping these. I love doing these. We have a community. I know many of you are being blessed by this. Some of you even rely on these broadcasts just to, to, to empower you and, and train you. So we're not stopping these. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Right now, in the name of Jesus, every broken heart gets mended. Everything that's caused you sorrow from the past, from today, like Joseph, he named his kid, God has made me to forget the horror of my past. From today, that anointing is going to make you forget the horror of your past. You're not going to, you're going to do like, like Paul did in Philippians 3. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I press towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus to proclaim liberty to the captives. Every form of captivity on your life. These are declarations and they're prayers made in the, in the name of Jesus for you today. Every form of captivity, sickness, depression, Captive to drugs, captive to alcohol addiction, any addiction, pornography addiction. That anointing sets you free now in Jesus' name. Be released. Jesus said, I've come to preach the day of jubilee, the day of release. Receive release from every chain of hell. The opening of prison doors to those who are bound. Every prison door in your life. And whatever that represents, swings open today. Just like Paul and Silas. Everyone's shackles were broken. Everyone's prison doors were open. And they emerged as free men. You are leaving this broadcast free at last. Free indeed. Free forever. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort those who mourn. That anointing is going to comfort you in your mourning. If you've lost somebody recently and you're sad, we don't mourn as those who have no hope. The dead in Christ shall rise first. But there is a time to mourn. And the Bible says mourn with those who mourn. The anointing will actually help you to mourn and comfort you in the morning. The Bible says he comforts us with the, with the comfort of God. The God of all comfort will comfort you in your mourning. To give you beauty for ashes, the anointing will, exchange, will take your ashes and give you beauty. Life might have been a drudgery up until this point. Could have been living hell on earth up until now. That anointing will take those ashes and turn things for your good. He'll work all things for good to those who love Him and called according to His purpose. And this is one I love, to give you the oil of joy for mourning. And I'm going to stop there. He's called the oil of joy. Hebrews 1.9 says, Because you've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness God will anoint you with the oil of joy above all your fellows that oil is coming on you today weeping endured for the night joy unspeakable and full of glory is coming on you right now 
That joy, the kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, after Jesus rose from the dead and they saw him, the disciples returned to Jerusalem, praising God and rejoicing in the temple daily. The devil might have made you tear tear up tears of sorrow but he's done it long enough from today the only tear you're gonna sow the only tear you're gonna tear up with is tears of joy tears of gladness tears of 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 exuberant joy and happiness in the name of jesus christ receive that anointing for joy when the Lord brought the captives back to Zion, they were like them that dream. And their mouths were filled with laughter. God will make you to laugh. The devil whispered into Abraham's ear, you will never have a child. God came and said, Abraham, you're going to name your child Isaac. And that means I will make you laugh. Your Isaac is coming. God will make you to laugh. God's turning that frown upside down in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand pleasures forevermore. The Bible says that weeping endures for the night. Joy comes, from the mo comes in the morning. And the scripture says that uh, he turns our sorrow into joy. He turns our, our, our mourning into dancing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's going to lift your head today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. He's my crown. He's my glory. And he's the lifter of my head. He's going to lift your head today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching right now and you'd like to sow into this ministry, I'd encourage you to do so. Go into salvationnow.ca slash give. And I want to thank you in advance. Partner with us as we go and take the gospel to several states in the United States in the coming months. Be gone for two months. Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Colorado, um, and elsewhere. And also, if you're a pastor or a ministry, uh, a minister, a leader at a church, we have some open dates on that on that uh, tour that we have. So if you're a pastor or a minister and you'd like to schedule us for, for some meetings, go on our website, salvationl.ca, and contact me. There's an area for booking. Let me just put the website there. There's an area where you can book us. You can schedule some meetings. We'd love to come your way. I'd love to come your way. So do that. And if you'd like to partner with us financially in, in getting the gospel out, you know, you can't put God first in the area of finances by sowing financial seeds into what God loves most, which is what? Humanity. God so loved the world that he gave. When you are saved, you're going to have two things happen. You're going to have a love for God ignited in you and then a love for fellow man to see them rejoice in the same joy of salvation that you have. And the way you love fellow man is, yes, you have your personal ministry. You have your personal uh, ministry of reconciliation. Wherever you find yourself, you're to lead people to Christ. That's not just reserved for the evangelist or the pastor. However, you're either called to be a full-time missionary or to send people. So you either do that full-time or you send people to do it for you full-time. And that's what we're doing. When you sow into this ministry, you're, you're standing with us in getting the gospel out to as many people as possible before it's eternally too late. We have a crusade we're scheduling. I'm, in, I'm talking with several pastors from Saskatoon. We have tentative dates. We're approaching the city tomorrow with a letter of request for a city permit, a park permit, to hold an outdoor crusade uh, and, and uh, have a massive evangelistic thrust in that city of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So 
When you sow into this ministry, that's what you're doing. You're, you're guaranteeing that lost people are getting the gospel to their hearts. And um, I want to thank you in advance. And when you do that, Jesus said, you can't outgive me. When you give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, falling over into your lap. I want to thank you for doing that. SalvationOut.ca. You can partner with us. I'd love for you to come on board as a partner, monthly partner. We've had several, uh, several, many people, not just several, many people come on board as partners since the beginning of the year. And I thank you. I really do. I pray for all our partners regularly. And, uh, or if you want to give a one-time gift, you can do so. SalvationNow.ca slash give. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.SalvationNow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.